Well, good evening and welcome to Steadfast. I am so glad to be with you as we continue our series Anticipation. We're thinking about what scripture says we should anticipate and how we live in accordance with that anticipation. That's what we find in 2 Peter chapter 3. And as Peter talks about anticipation, we can probably relate that to a lot of things in our own lives, things that we look forward to and anticipate. For myself as a shutterbug, one of the things I anticipate is the opportunity to take a great photo. Some really neat photo that I'm excited to, to look back on, to share with people, to, to even go back years later and think, wow, I, I'm so glad I got that picture. One of the most enjoyable things to take pictures of would be wildlife. And one of the challenges with wildlife is I can anticipate, okay, I'm going to go to this place and I'm going to take pictures. But wildlife doesn't just come right wherever you happen to be, whenever you happen to be there. You can't say to, to the deer in the field, hey, pose just this way for me, please. Or, or to the butterfly, hey, would you land on this flower right at this moment, right in this light so I can get the picture? What do you have to do? You have to anticipate and be ready to take the picture. There's all kinds of interesting things you can take pictures of if you're just willing to sit there and look for the opportunity. And one of the great things about going on vacation for, for me is to have the opportunity just to sit there with a camera and get some pictures. It's in that sort of context that I love spiders. In the right context, I love spiders. In the wrong context, like say, crawling through the house, I'm not so fond of them. But in that right context, I love spiders. And a few years ago, I introduced you to a spider friend of mine, Big Red, that I took a picture of, a bunch of pictures actually, while on vacation a few years ago. And this spider, a, a very large red spider, was, with the proper anticipation, putting on a wonderful show. And in that picture that you just saw with the spider and the moon, of course, I couldn't say to Big Red, hey, would you walk up your web just so that you're right? there where the moon is. No, I, I had to anticipate that that would happen, wait for Big Red to, to move down the web to just the right spot, and then snap the picture. Well, as many of you know, a few weeks ago, I, I was back in the Ozarks, and as I was there, I saw another Big Red spider and thought, what if I could do it again? Now, here was an interesting way that this time was going to vary. Instead of the moon, it was a stormy night. There was lightning all over the place, and what if I could anticipate the moment the spider was right there in my view and there was a lightning strike going on? So I tried. I missed. As you can see or not see there, yes, there is a spider in that picture, but you can't really see that spider because I didn't anticipate enough. I wasn't ready at just the moment. This is a shot that I took just moments after the lightning had come and gone. So I kept trying. A little later, this looks like it's daytime. It's not daytime. This is 11 o'clock at night, but this is 11 o'clock at night with a huge lightning strike occurring. You can't see an individual bolt. It's so bright, but you can see the spider there and it looks like daylight. Here's another one. I, I didn't quite get what I wanted, but on this one, you can see a lightning strike a little more mysterious in the spider. The spider's slightly out of focus because I wasn't anticipating exactly where the spider was going to be at the right moment. I at least got a picture with lightning and the spider. So what do we find in all these pictures? Well, I need to anticipate. I need to be looking for that moment that was going to achieve what I wanted to, the, the lightning and the spider. And then I needed to be focusing my camera because autofocus is of virtually no use in a really dark situation where you're dealing with lightning and so on. 
I had to focus my camera and I had to be trying to track with where the spider was going so that I would get the picture I wanted, get it at just the right time. Sometimes though, when I'm taking pictures like that, I'm snapping a bunch of them and I'll go and I'll pull up my, my little review screen on my camera and try to look at the pictures to see if I've gotten something. And I can get lost in trying to look over the pictures I've already taken and then that perfect shot happens, but I'm not prepared at all. Now, why am I telling you my, my excitement and my woes about photography? Well, it's because in that we find what we do every day throughout life. We lose sight of our purpose. We lose sight of what we're supposed to be anticipating. And God has called us every day to be focusing on something, to be taking that picture of something. And too often we're busy maybe going through the review function, looking at past attempts where we failed, or maybe past attempts where we were successful, or we're focusing on the wrong spot and we miss out what God has called us to do. And that's what Peter wants us to think about tonight. What has God called us to do? What is God going to do? And how do we live in the in-between of that? Let's go ahead and ask God for our guidance, and then we'll jump in to 2 Peter chapter 3. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your love for us. And Lord, as we, we read your word tonight and we meditate on it, would you help us not to lose focus? You do not allow us to, to drift into to places where everything is blurry and, and misses out on your truth, or, or to be so busy reviewing previous attempts that we, we aren't capturing what's happening right in front of us. Lord, we ask this in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and take a look at verses 8 and 9 to start off tonight. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 9, we read this. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved. That with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So here we find Peter outlining what God's purpose is. Where is God's focus? Because sometimes we wonder about that. We're in the midst of a chaotic week. There's horrible war going on around our world, and we're seeing horrific sights, and we think, God, why don't you just end this already? Why don't you just send your son back, Father? Send Jesus back. He comes back. He restores the world. He ends all these wars. Why aren't you doing that? Have you lost focus? Have you gotten busy on some other part of the universe? What's going on? We talked about purpose last night in Sunday School Express, and you might want to go back and, and watch that if you haven't, because we had a great conversation thinking about what God made us to do and to be. We find our own purpose, as we discussed, rooted in God's purpose. And so when we read this and Peter's talking about what God's doing and God's patience and, and where God is aiming, it, it speaks a lot to that purpose we were talking about. And, and we see at the heart of that, God's love. We came back to love over and over again last night, that God has made us to love others and to love himself, right back at the greatest commandment. And as we, we find ourselves going back to that over and over again, it's not because there's nothing else to talk about, but it's right there that we root our focus, that we, as we read everything else, as we study God's word, as we think about how to live the Christian life, that's where we keep our focus. And that's where we're being directed to here too, because why is it that God's waiting? It's not because he likes to see suffering. It's not because he's gotten bored with us and gone to do something else. 
why does Peter say that God has not yet brought about the end of the world, brought about for us who believe in him, the end of suffering? Well, it's that more would know. And in that, we see God's love once again, that he is waiting. He isn't going ahead and just doing what he is in all his perfect rights to do because he doesn't want anyone to perish. What an amazing thing that is. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He's patient with you. He's patient with me. That's what this comes down to. And you think about it. This was being written to people about 2,000 years ago. If the Lord weren't patient, none of us would ever get to know him at all. We wouldn't even exist. We wouldn't be here tonight. We never would have been here because the world would have ended. But in God's understanding, in God's purpose, in his focus on exactly where he's driving the entire story of history, God waits to bring about the end that more might know him, that more might be in relationship to him, that more might love him, but that he also might love more of us. What an incredible, incredible thing that is. You see, sometimes we don't get something done because we don't know how to do it. We don't have the energy to do it. We're confused about how to do it. We, we just are lazy. There's all kinds of different reasons we might not get something done. There's probably some project sitting at your home right now that, that you've had there for a while. And you put it off because of one of those things. You're not sure how to finish it. You're not sure if it's really worth it. You just don't feel like it. All those sorts of things. That's not the case with God. Earth is not sitting on God's tool bench with all the other projects he's set aside over the years and not found time to do. It's not like that. God is actively working. He's actively leading. And it's for a purpose that none would perish, that more would come to repentance, that more would know him. And there we see the heart of the mission that the church has sent out to do, to proclaim the kingdom, to bring more people in to know our God. For example, in Mark chapter 13, verse 10, what did Jesus say in reflecting on the end that was coming? He said, the gospel must first be proclaimed to all the nations. So we, we find in scripture over and over again this idea that the gospel needs to be proclaimed. Why? Because God loves people that he's made. He loves the, the nations of the world. He wants more to know him. And he, he wants that to be at the heart of what he's going to do ultimately. His purpose is to have a world of people who are in relationship to him, enjoying being in communion with their creator. What an amazing thing that is. And God, in waiting, hasn't lost focus. Rather, he has a razor-sharp focus. He's drilled in on exactly where things need to be. The question for us, as those who, who study his word, who want to do what he's called us to do, is what do we do while God's locked in on that purpose? Where do we fall into that? And that's where we come back to what we were talking about last night, that, that our purpose is related to the image of God and, and how he's made us and how we are, are made to reflect who he is. Because if that's our purpose, and, and God's purpose is to love people and, and to bring us into communion with him, if that's what he is focused on, that's what we should be focused on. And as we wait, instead of saying, God, why haven't you come back yet? 
Or why haven't you brought me into your presence yet? Why am I in whatever suffering I'm in at the moment? Why am I in whatever difficulty I am in at the moment? What we should be saying is, God, how do I reflect that purpose that you have to the people around me right now in this moment? Because for some reason, you've chosen that this moment should exist. For some reason, you've said that this moment is a worthy moment, an important moment. And I don't want to miss what it can do. Have you ever been waiting for an appointment? Maybe you arrive someplace early or, or at times I've had it where I had several different appointments lined up and, and you line them up to try to be efficient, but the one gets done early and you have a period of time, a half hour, an hour between, and, and you think, what am I going to do with that? And a lot of times I have to confess those moments are moments where I don't use the time very well because it feels like, well, I don't have enough time to really start anything. I'm just twiddling my thumbs. I'm killing time. Maybe I go and check social media. I'm not making good use of it because it feels like I'm just waiting. And sometimes that's, that's how we treat our lives. We're just waiting. We're waiting for God to finally fix things. We'll, we'll just sit here and twiddle our thumbs and, until either he brings us home at the end of our lives or he ends the world and he comes back. But here's what happens when I really reflect on my schedule. I think I am swamped. I have so much I need to do. There's so much coming at me. I have this half hour, an hour. What can I do? What can I fit into that time so that I'm not just twiddling my thumbs waiting for the next thing to happen? And when I can do that and, and I realize, well, I need to, to, to write a letter to somebody. I need to, to go and do my, my little Duolingo German lesson for the day, and I won't have to do that later on when I'm exhausted. I can do these different things. I start to put them in that slot, and maybe it's not still the most efficient use of time in my mind, but I, I'm making much better use of it. That's the mindset we're being called to here about our lives. As we hear what God's doing, and we're reminded that, that this time that we wait for Jesus to return isn't a wasted time, isn't a purposeless time, we can ask the question, God, Okay, I'm here. I know that appointment's down the road where Jesus is going to return. I know that time that I'm going to be in your presence will come someday. But in this moment, whether it's 20 minutes or another 2,000 years, whatever part of that that I have access to, Lord, how can I do your purpose? How can I help people to know about Jesus? How can I love people like you love people? Fulfill that, that calling to reflect your image into the world. We need to ask that question, what can I do now? And not say, well, the world's too messed up or I'm too messed up. But right now I'm sitting here and I have that choice. Am I going to twiddle my thumbs? What am I going to do? And it's often helpful for me as I do that. Like I said, when I really reflect on my schedule and I think I have all this other stuff. So why am I wasting this hour here just frittering it away? Likewise, when we know that someday judgment will come, someday Jesus will return and someday People are either going to know him or not. Suddenly, that little bit of time that we find ourselves in feels important because we realize that we need to make good use of it. There isn't just endless time. So what are we called to do right now? We're called to share the gospel with other people. We're called to care about other people, to love them, to show the love of Jesus to them. Now, you'll notice here two different things. It sounds sort of distinctly different, doesn't it? Because on the one hand, we're called to share the gospel. And on the other hand, to care about people, which sometimes means helping them out with a, just being a, lending them an ear when they're stressed out, helping them through a situation they don't know how to get out of, helping them fix something they don't know how to fix. Sometimes as the church, we're called to help people financially, 
um, give them food, all these different things. There's a whole broad spectrum of different things for different people. And sometimes the church is really good at one and not the other. For example, some churches are great at evangelizing. They're sharing the gospel constantly, but if someone has an earthly need, they're not ready to do it at all. While other churches are, are really good, we're, we're going to have a soup kitchen, we're going to go out and, and help people get job training, but they forget that we're actually supposed to share the gospel. But in the context of knowing we're in this moment of waiting, that the appointment is coming, we're reminded that we need to do both. When, when we care about people, when we help them with their earthly needs, it's not an exclusion to salvation, but because we know, as we talked about once again, see, I love these parallels we have with, with our purpose that we were talking about last night. We are saved to something. When we think about that, that God has spent all this time, this whole history of redemption, to bring us to that purpose of having communion with him like Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden, we're reminded that we're not just saved from the evils of the world, but we're saved to a joyful presence and a fulfilling life in the very presence of God. And so when we're caring about other people, we're not just doing something separate from sharing the gospel. We're giving them a foretaste of that kingdom. And we're giving them a foretaste of what God's doing for all of us that come into his presence. And so they're actually connected. And I think we can be so much more effective as Christians when we understand that, that sharing the gospel and caring for people aren't two separate things and we're trying to balance them, but they're one and the same because we're sharing how to be saved from the evils of the world into the joyful presence of God. They're not two separate things. And, and we remember that and we balance that. We, we care about people, but we don't forget the sharing because we remember that we're still saved from something that is coming. That, that yes, God is sometimes patient in his purpose. That's what we've seen so far. But God is also swift in his purpose when it reaches that time. Verse 10 of Second Peter chapter 3. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the, the heavenly bodies will be burnt up and dissolved, and the, the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Yes, we've been waiting. We've been waiting a long time. We've been waiting our entire lives for Jesus to return. And people have waited centuries for Jesus to return. And so it feels very slow, and we do have those questions. Is he going to come back? That's why Peter reminds us that God is patient and a thousand years is like a day. So, so far in that sense, God's waited, what, two days to come back? Not a very long time at all. But on the other hand, that can make us very much inclined to just sit back and twiddle our thumbs again because we think, well, okay, well, I'll try to be loving. I'll, I'll try to, to make good use of my life, but I don't really have any urgency. And this is that flaw when, when some churches, when some Christians are all about showing care to people's earthly needs, but they forget to, to explain why they're doing it. They forget to, to say that this is a foretaste of something better. Because someday, it could be today, could be tomorrow, could be this year. We don't know. Someday Jesus is going to return. And what we don't want is to find anyone caught off guard, ourselves or others. If you're sitting there tonight and you've thought, well, I'll try to be a good person and someday I'll reconcile with God because he hasn't come for 2,000 years. I have time. Don't do that. It may be this very night that Jesus returns. You don't want to miss out. We don't want others to miss out either. 
when there's nothing left to wait for, when God's purpose is fulfilled, and we don't know when that will be. We don't know if there's just one grain of sand left in the hourglass or a whole bunch. But when we hit that point, God will act powerfully in a flash. We, we won't see it coming. We can spend a lot of time looking for signs to, to indicate when Jesus is going to return. We need to quit spending so much time looking for signs that Jesus is going to return and just act like he's going to return right away and care about people with the urgency. They need to know Jesus now before it's too late. During that wait, we can forget. During this wait, we can forget how quickly he will come when he comes. We can forget what he's told us. Revelation 3.3 3. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what hour I will come against you. We need to remember right now. We need to hold on to God's truth right now. To go be God's hands and feet right now. Tomorrow might be too late. So we need to do it right now. Someday God is going to turn everything upside down. Everything that looks so stable in the world. Everything that looks like there's never going to be an end to it will end. And if we keep that in mind, and then we use that to, to determine how we keep focus as we show God's love by caring for earthly needs and, and the struggles that all of us are going through, it helps us to give a genuine taste of the kingdom and not some counterfeit version of it. Because here's the challenge when, when we, we love people and we try to help people, but we're not doing it with a kingdom focus. We're not doing it helping them to get the, the help that they need to actually know Jesus we end up giving them something less than what they really, truly need. For example, I saw someone post online here, ill-tempered birds. Does that sound right to you? No, it's angry birds, right? But but here's a, a, a counterfeit angry birds. And you can look at them. They don't really look quite right. And the name, well, actually, it's kind of funny, but ill-tempered birds, it just isn't the same as angry birds, right? You want the genuine thing. And we want to be giving people the genuine love of God too. And, and that means helping them with their needs, not just telling them about the kingdom, but always keeping in mind that what we're doing here on earth right now is a foretaste. And so we do it constantly looking to what Jesus is going to do in the future. If we hold on to just what's happening right now on this earth, we're giving out ill-tempered birds rather than angry birds. We don't want to do that. We need to keep a focus on Jesus returning, but then looking at all the people right now and, and that are in our lives, that, that are at our workplaces, at our schools, at our in our homes, in our neighborhoods, seeing them and seeing that just like us, they need help. They need encouragement. There's so many ways we can help each other and we do it with that kingdom focus. When we try to, to help experience God's love, we don't put our stock in, in heaven without him. And that's often what we do when we're just helping people but not preaching the gospel. But on the other hand, when we only preach the gospel and we don't help as well, we're kind of creating a, a focus on him, but in a hellish sort of way, because people see a lack of care, the exact opposite of what God is. We need to keep the focus. What happens when we do? Well, sometimes it doesn't work out exactly how we thought it should. Uh, when I was taking all those spider pictures, I never did get the, the perfect lightning strike, no matter how much I tried to anticipate it with the spider. But, but sometimes if I really keep my, my eye on what I really want, which is a great picture of the spider, sometimes you get that anyway. Not necessarily how I imagined it, but it happens. 
as you can see here, yes, it's dark, but with, with careful study focusing, I was able to get a picture that really shows the detail of this remarkable spider in focus. And, and here's the thing with God's kingdom. Sometimes we think, well, I want that lightning bolt. I want that, the, the beautiful effects. I want everything to be just right. And, and we get focused on all those things and we forget about the love of God. We've, we forget about showing that love of God to other people. We forget about telling other people about Jesus. We forget some part of it because we're so focused on what we imagine it should be like. And if I had been so focused on just getting the lightning bolt, I wouldn't have that picture of that spider to show you right now. But as I remembered, I really want the spider. I really want to be able to have that picture of him. And you can see the, the remarkable little hairs on that spider's legs and, and, and the, the beautiful reddish hue and so on. And it's just amazing to me what an amazing creature God has made in this little bitty, little bitty spider. Keeping focus on the thing that was right there in front of me. Right in front of us is God's kingdom. Are we going to do it? Are we going to show a foretaste to people by loving them, by helping them? Are we going to help them to understand the, the real, genuine foretaste by not giving them the counterfeit, ill-tempered earth, but the new earth, the new heavens, the one that's true, the one that's from God? That's what we're called to do. We live now as things will be. We show love now as things will be because we look to the future. So we don't forget the present and all the people around us. But we don't forget the one who's going to make it truly great in the future. If we do that, we're doing our, our purpose, friends, as the church. May that be what we do tonight. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, too often we do lose focus. We, we, we can hang on to part of it. We, we show love to people, but we forget to tell them about you. We, we tell people about you, but we forget to, to show them love. Lord, would you help us to, to give a genuine, authentic taste of the future, that we wouldn't give just the off-brand version that isn't quite right, that nothing's shaped quite right. Yes, we show some love, but it doesn't actually help people to, to move towards the true love that comes from you. Or, or we tell about your love, but it doesn't look much like love because we don't show any care. Lord, help us to actually do it. Help us to actually receive it ourselves if we... We haven't yet, or, or if we or, or have distanced ourselves from your love somewhat or, and we're not experiencing it right now, Lord, bring us back to that genuine, wonderful love and to do it in the anticipation that, that you have a purpose. And, and whether that purpose comes to fulfillment today or tomorrow or a thousand years from now, that that purpose is razor sharp, we're invited to be a part of it. Lord, would you direct our thoughts and our minds, our hands and our feet? We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I hope this was an encouragement to you tonight. And if it was, would you give us a like or a share? You can help get the word out. It makes such a difference when you do that, when you subscribe to our channel on YouTube, when you like our page on Facebook. All these things really do help. Well, I mentioned at the end that we don't want the counterfeit. We don't want the, the ill-tempered birds uh, of, of a kingdom. We want the real kingdom. We want the real picture of where God's leading us. And next week, we're going to talk more about that because... You may have noticed there's some things I brushed over tonight about the earth and the heavens being destroyed. Well, Peter gets more into those details of what the new heavens and the new earth are in our next section. So please join me again next week for that. In the meantime, if you have any comments, any questions, 
any prayer requests, feel free to shoot a text to the texting line that you see on screen. It's 833-356-4032 or leave it in the comments below and we can all pray for each other together. Hope you have a wonderful and blessed week and I anticipate seeing you again very soon.